this morning. The scripture says that, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers well in unity. The reason why is because God sent his blessing to his people. I hope you feel and you experience the presence of God every time that we come together to worship him, to acknowledge him through the word of God and through the fellowship to one another. This morning, we're going to have communion, and that's another way to fellowship. I'm going to put my time in here because I don't want to take more time than I'm the one that they give me to, to share this morning. It's a privilege to be in front of the people of God and a great responsibility to share the gospel and to teach the word of God from, from the Holy Spirit and from my heart and from my experience. The book of Philippos, how do you say Philippenses? Philippians, gracias. Thank you for your help. I'm going to need a lot of help this morning. <laughs> how about we pray together? Father, um, we come together as a, as a body, as a your church. Uh, we come with different things this morning. Some, they come with a joyful heart. Some, they come with brokenness. Some, they come wandering around. Some, they come even not want to be here, but they you make it to come to this place. Oh, Father, my prayer this morning is that everyone who's coming in in this room uh, can hear, can feel your presence in such a way that they can go home and think and meditate how awesome, how great, how amazing you are, O oh Lord. We ask you help this morning to give us wisdom, to give us understanding when we open your word. In Jesus' name, Father, we ask you all these things. Amen. First chapter of Philippenses, uh, I don't know if Pastor Chris put it up there, but uh, let's read it. Uh, Paul was reading to the church of Philippos, and I want to share what God has really put it in my heart for, for the church of Walla Walla. First of all, I really want to give thanks to the Lord, and second, I've been praying for the church. And third, 
I've been, uh, have a communion with the body of Christ here locally. So I've been, thanks to the Lord for his goodness, I've been praying uh, because there is a lot of obstacles when you share the gospel, when you preach, when you teach. It is a lot of obstacles. So uh, those that are in front lines said, uh, we need a lot of grace of God, a lot of mercy. And the third, uh, we need a communion in the body of Christ, the church. Amen? And that passage is really, really good. Uh, chapter 1 and verse 3, uh, Philippos uh, uh, to verse 11. Um, if you want to hear, I'm not best reading in English, but I have to read it in English this morning. I thank my God and all my members of you. Verse 3. Verse 4. Always in every prayer of my for you are making my prayers with joy. Because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold in my heart for you all partakers with me of grace, both in my impressions and the defense of the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness. How I yield for you all with the affection in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Verse 9. And it is my prayer that you may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So that you may approach what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Last verse. Fill with the fruit of righteousness that comes to Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's released my heart this morning for the church. I've been here seven years. God's mercy has been upon my family, the church that I ministry. And and I be in some ways shepherd some of you here in the Anglo congregation. But I pray for each one of you. And I pray 
It's not just because I want you to be good or to have more than what you have already. My prayer is very specific, and I think this text really show the heart of Paul for the church of Philippus. And that's what is God is putting in my heart this, I think, since last year, and the beginning of the year, it's been so heavy in my heart to pray for the church. There is needs that no man can feel. And more than ever, we need the presence of God. But we got to yield together for help on the throne of God by praying. Do you agree? Times then are going to get better. And more than ever, we got it bound together. And the only thing they can bound together, you and me, even besides our difference, is through the faith of Jesus Christ and take it communion. And his sacrifice, and his resurrection, and his what? Coming. Because he's coming soon. Amen? He's coming soon. For you. For you, church. For me. So three points that I want to be clarified here this morning. So nobody can say, well, Edgar has barriers to speak English. And I agree. I raise my feet and I raise my hands for that. But I, I, I believe with all my heart the Holy Spirit is powerful to interpret for me to you what is good from the Lord so you can learn what God really want to teach you this morning. First of all, my heart is so thankful for the church. I don't think you comprehend that. You've been so faithful with us since the beginning when we show up. Even before that, some of the leaders referred to me, we've been praying even before you came, praise God. And I noticed that. Because with all we're going through, only His power makes it possible to be here and preaching the gospel. I don't, I don't see another way. I don't see another explanation. Second, the pray. It has a reason why. Verse 9. This is the reason of the prayer of the Apostle Paul. And this is the reason for me to share this passage. It is my prayer that you, the church of Walla Walla, may abound more and more and with the knowledge and discernment from the Lord to do what is right, to do what is good for the church. This prayer have at least 
three reasons. Verse 10. So I and you may approve what is excellent. What is excellent, not for you, not for me, but for his glory. Amen? So, you and I be pure and blameless. Because Jesus Christ is coming soon. Oh, you should have jumped out. You should be rejoiced and say, yes, Lord, take us from here. And not because I have a bad life. I have a wonderful life. But you see, we preach something that sometimes we don't believe that we want to take from this earth. We love so much these things that sometimes we don't want it out of here. And the third reason is verse 11. Oh, I, I believe with all my heart we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. More than ever. You can see our nation. You can see the world. This is my nation now. If you don't know, I'm a citizenship. I have dual citizenship. Actually, three citizenship. <laughs> Be fulfilled with fruit of righteousness that comes only, only. It's no other way to find this. Only to Jesus Christ because he needs to get glory, honor, praise from his people. hope this morning we're going to take communion and don't take it like a normally you take it stop first corinthians 13 5 says, examine yourselves if we are really in the faith are we are we are in the faith This is an amazing passage. But I want to encourage the church to be vigilant, to be aware, to live in the Spirit of God. If we want to praise and, being and bring a good fruit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's my message this morning. I wish I had more time, but that's it. Thank you so much for, for, for the patience that you have for me. I know it's a different culture, and, and sometimes it's, it's different, but thank you so much. Thank you from the bottom of my heart.
Amen. One of these days, I'm going to remember not to go after Edgar, but to go before him, make myself look a little better. Thank you for that message. Well, hey, Pastor Edgar and I are trying something that I've never seen done before. I've never done before, so you know it's a good idea. Uh, We're both going to preach from the same passage this morning, uh, uh, two brief messages from the same passage of Scripture. So you already got your Bible open to Philippians 1, Philippenses. Is that how you say it in Spanish? Yeah, all right. I learned one Spanish word today. How about that? Uh, We're going to be in chapter 1, starting at verse 3, just as we were a minute ago. And as we look at this passage, let me just ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. How would you respond if your pastor was thrown into prison for preaching Christ? Pastor Edgar or I were thrown in prison for preaching, how would you respond? Maybe you'd be like, well, I didn't really know that guy very well. I only went to church occasionally. That's really, that's really rough for him, but meh. Or maybe you'd be like, oh, boy, that's terrible. Uh, but, you know, my friends go to this other church across town. I'll just probably go over there now, right? How would you respond? Maybe... You would find the strength to stand in solidarity with us, uh, sending gifts, praying, defiantly continuing to preach that same message of Christ. Maybe you'd say, yeah, yeah, my pastor, he got thrown into prison, and they could take me too. They can lock me up too because I'm not going to stop proclaiming Jesus as the one true God, right? Well, that's a scenario that Paul and the Philippian church find themselves in. Paul's in prison and the church has a, a decision to make. And, and just like uh, Noe read from Psalm 51 this morning, uh, Paul prays with joy because of how they respond. Verse 3, he says, I give thanks to my God, every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day Until now. So he prays with joy for a very, very clear reason. Verse 5, because they're partners with him from the first day until now. They're they're standing together. In this passage, there's three specific ways that this church partners together, partners with Paul. And I want us to explore those very briefly. The first joyful partnership they have is partnership in the gospel. That's exactly what Paul says in verse 5. He prays with joy because of the partnership in the gospel. And, and when we talk about the gospel, that's just shorthand for all that Jesus has done. His death, his resurrection that pays the punishment for our sins, that makes us holy, that allows us to have a, a vibrant and full relationship with God. That's the gospel. And from the beginning of their relationship, they've thrown themselves into that work, to, to partnering in the gospel, sharing what Jesus has done for them, sharing with other people, anybody who would listen, it seems they are more than happy to just share the news of how they'd been changed by the gospel. They weren't ashamed of what God had done in them. They weren't scared of what other people might think when they go to work or go to the marketplace talking about all that Jesus has done for them. They're just partners in the gospel. And, and being saved, that's a source of joy But there's no joy quite like helping other people come to understand and embrace the truth of the gospel. And Paul encourages them to keep this up. He says they partnered from the first day until now. There's a a push to keep it up. Until now, keep going, right? That's a good encouragement for us right now because the natural tendency of all of us, every church, every person, every believer, is to turn inward, to, to care for ourselves instead of keeping outward focus. We have to constantly avoid that temptation to turn in, only care about meeting our own needs instead of 
continuing to advance the gospel from the first day until now in our community. I think that's a very special danger for us at Trinity right now. This time of transition, it's so easy for us to just turn in, focus on ourselves. But real joy is not found in in self-focus. Real joy is found in partnership with the gospel. Keeping our eyes and hearts pointed outward across cultures, toward the places where there's need, where people are far from Jesus. And as we partner, we want to continue to partner in a way that's joy-filled, that's outward-focused. And this is part of what Paul's getting at, I think, in verse 6. He's encouraging them to keep at it, to endure in this hard work of gospel partnership. That leads right into the next way that they partner. Partnering in the gospel, but also partnering in grace. Look at verse 7. Paul says, You're all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So part of what it means is simply that, that God is at work in them. God's grace is working in them to keep them focused where they need to be. It doesn't come naturally to us. It takes God at work in us. It's an act of grace. But the other aspect of partnering in grace is simply how their gospel partnership looks, what kind of flavor it takes. Notice Paul specifically says in verse 7, he says he's in chains. He's confirming the gospel, defending the gospel. How do you do that when you're in chains? I think it could look like a lot of things, but for Paul, I think it primarily looks like joy. Joy, even when our circumstances are bleak. I think Paul's primary attitude is what made people take notice of him, helped him to confirm the gospel. Because let's be honest, if somebody says that they're a Christian, but there's nothing in their life, nothing in their attitude that that seems to defend that statement, do we take that person seriously? Why would we? It's only when a person's actions are aligned with God's priorities that we even take notice. That's when people stop and say, "What, what is it about that person that's so different? For us, for this church that's in this long transition period, it's easy for us to to sit back, to, to relax, to just stop, to give up. It's easy for us to feel so tired and stop wanting to, to partner. It's easy for us to stop trying to advance the gospel, stop making disciples, just stop. But Paul says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's a word for this church this morning. This church is such an important piece of this valley. I don't say that, say that out of some egotistical thing. I say it because it's true. This church is necessary in this valley, and you are a necessary part of this church. God needs us. God doesn't need anything, but God deeply desires us to partner with him, doing his work right here. That's why we're here. Not growing weary but growing in grace. Let's keep partnering in grace, letting God's grace shine through us, through our attitudes, through our actions. That's what Paul commends the Philippian church for. We we can confirm the value of the gospel. We can defend the truth about life in Christ by the way we respond to difficulties. Uh, There's a lot more things we could say about this, but let me just ask you a question. If people look at your life, if people look at the way you live and especially the way you respond to hardship, Would they be drawn to the gospel? Would they see something in you worth following, worth embracing? We have to be partners in grace, letting God work in us in that way. One more key area Paul talks about partnering in, partnership in growth. 
And, and spiritual growth, it's a requirement if we're going to partner in the gospel. We have to be growing in it ourselves if we have any desire to pass it on to other people. It's, it's both and. We talked about last week, if you were here. But, but look at the kinds of things that Paul talks about growing in. Look at verse 9. He talks about growing in love. But notice it's an unusual prayer about growing in love. He says, uh, he prays that, that love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. That's odd things to connect to love, knowledge and discernment. But I think what he's getting at here is that the more we know God, the more we partner in growth, in other words, the more we're able to discern. When we know God more, we discern his will more and more, the result is love. We'll live out love for each other. We'll live out love for those who are far from God. The closer we get to the heart of God, the more we're going to reflect his heart for the world. Those same ideas we sang about uh, this morning, building our life on him, letting our love show up. Uh, So partnering in growth is important because ultimately it should result in fruit. That's the end of this prayer, verse 11, fruit that is righteous. That's ultimately what growth should be focused on, letting God's spirit work in us so we're bearing fruit for him, impacting the world with the gospel. So we're partnering together to grow not just for our own sake, Uh, but growth in love, love for each other, love for the world. The ultimate result of that increase in love is that we're impacting the world for Christ. So it's this kind of partnership, partnership in the gospel, partnership in grace, partnership in growth that brings us joy. As we align ourselves more and more to God's will, his will for ourselves, his will for our church, his will for our valley, we're going to experience joy because we're living for him, not just for ourselves. So if we want to experience joy here, we have to be partnering together in these three areas, in the gospel, in grace, and in growth. Let me pray for us. God, what a joy it has been this morning to gather as one church in two languages, to partner not just uh, with some of our church, but with our whole church, our whole faith family. And we know that partnership doesn't stop right here in this room, but it, uh, it shows up as partnership in the gospel, taking that message, that fruit of righteousness out into the world. And I pray that we would do that in increasing measure. I'm grateful for the time we've shared together this morning, grateful that we can uh, observe communion and reflect on the partnership we have with you. And pray that you would just continue to unify us, continue to grow us in grace and in the gospel, and uh, continue to uh, show us how you are at work in this valley, and we can come alongside and partner with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.